0: Acts 27 through 12. Okay, cool. Interesting story. There's a lot of stuff here worth noting. Let's go over some things. First of all, they did not meet on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. Believe it or not, the Sabbath is Saturday. It's the last day of the week, which is Saturday. Okay? And that is the day that God rested, so everyone else kind of rests with him on the Sabbath. Um, They didn't meet on the Sabbath. They met on the first day of the week. They met on Sunday. Why? Excellent question. Thank you for that. It's because Christ rose from the dead on a Sunday. So they started meeting um, on Sundays after Christ rose from the dead on Sundays. Okay. Another thing. They met in the upper room of someone's house. They did not meet in a church building. Church buildings didn't really come on the scene until about the third century. Another thing, Luke tells us that they were meeting for the celebration of the agape feast or the love feast, uh, or pretty much just a communal meal. And they also met for that and for a communion of sorts, for the Lord's Supper. So it's kind of like a potluck and then communion or something would follow the meal. Kind of the opposite of what we're going to do here on Sunday at church. We have communion during the church service and then afterwards we have a potluck. So that's biblical, yo, kind of. It's a little backwards, but whatever. So they're in this crowded, dark room, and only oil lamps lit this room, okay? Just imagine that. And Paul was up there, and he was preaching his sweet little heart out, and he was answering questions until about midnight. So these people were in there for a while. It was late and crowded and dark and nighttime. And then there's this kid, Eutychus, and he was a young man between the ages of like 8 and 14, whatever. And he basically fell asleep, and then fell out of a window that he was sitting on, falling three stories to his demise. Maybe he went to this this window um, just to maybe escape the lamp fumes or to get some fresh air from all the body heat that was probably generated in that building. Um, Whatever it is, sleep overcame him, and he fell out of a window and died. This obviously disrupted what was going on. Um, people noticed. And so everything kind of stopped. It was disrupted. And the believers left the upper room to go see what was going on with Eutychus. And they gathered around his body. And in the midst of all this chaos, Paul embraces Eutychus' body and told the crowd that his life was in him. That didn't mean that he was still alive, like he didn't die. He died. And then Paul gave him life again. Paul was saying that even though he died, he restored his life. After the believers witnessed this miracle, they returned upstairs to the meeting place where they had their agape feast and then the Lord's Supper or communion. Once believers finished with communion, they went back to the other room and reconvened for Paul uh, so he could teach him some more stuff until morning. Uh, I, I imagine that after these people saw Paul raise Eutychus from the dead, um, I'm, I'm sure Paul had their undivided attention. And if we look a little bit closer what's going on, we tend to look at the story and we're like, man, that Eutychus kid was a jerk. He did so much wrong, he fell asleep during the sermon? Are you kidding me? That's so rude. But look at this a little closer. So they, they just had a long day, okay? Sunday was not like it is today. Sunday now is kind of... Uh, it's become less than, but it's, it's still kind of a day off, and depending on your job and so on. And, but it's still kind of like a day off. Some a bunch of people take off on Sundays. Jews at the time would have treated Saturdays as a Sabbath, so that would have been their day off. That was the day that they rested. So Sunday would have just been another work day for them. So all these people, including Eutychus, would have worked a day. And they gather at, at night because that's when they had time available. They couldn't meet during the work day, so they met at night when they were all done working. Um, So Eutychus was probably working all day, most likely. Um, Yet despite a hard day's work and knowing that he had another hard day's work in front of him tomorrow, he went to church. And then when he was there, he fought to stay awake in an atmosphere that would make anybody sleepy. I mean, I've heard students say that Um, You know, I didn't want to come to church because I stayed up too late playing Xbox, or I went out with friends and didn't go to bed until 3 a.m., so I didn't want to come, or I have too much homework and no time. So many different excuses of why they decided not to come together with their fellow believers and worship their Savior. But we can be honest a little bit. Not everyone is going to um, want to wake up every Sunday and want to come to church. Not everyone is going to want to make time every Wednesday night to come to church. That's how it is. However, we should always fight that spiritual battle by remembering the price that Jesus paid for us so that we could be made right in the eyes of God. Jesus' love and his sacrifice should help us overcome that temptation to skip church or to skip youth group and motivate us to gather together with our church family where we can grow in our knowledge and likeness of him as we receive encouragement that comes with being with other believers. So in a way, we kind of need to strive to be like Eutychus, not to fall asleep and fall out of a window and die, but to make church a weekly habit so that you can get the teaching, you can get preaching, you can get the encouragement that comes with meeting together with other believers and so that you can continue to become a better committed follower of Jesus. So moving forward from this point, we need to now look at how we can get the most out of our time at church. So how can we do that? The first thing that you obviously need to do if you're going to get something out of church is you need to be there. Um, That seems so basic, but yet I feel like we need to talk about it a little bit. Obviously, if you're not at church, you're not going to get anything out of it, right? You're not going to be pushed in your relationship with God at all. If you are not meeting together with a group of believers. And frankly, if Satan can keep you out of church, it's gonna be so much easier to defeat you and to render you useless in helping advance the kingdom of God. And that's ultimately what, what he wants. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to be there. But just being there isn't quite enough. You may not be actually falling asleep, falling out of windows, but sometimes you might as well be because you are mentally and spiritually a million miles away. Who's there right now? Right now, as I'm talking, who is a million miles away? Thank you for your honesty, Cody. (laughs) When you do that, you miss out on your opportunity to praise your Creator, your Savior. You miss out on what God is trying to say to you through... Um, through the worship, through the teaching of God's Word, through the relationships that you have with the other believers. You miss out on those things because you're distracted. Maybe you're texting, maybe you're surfing the web, or playing games on your phone, or doodling in your notebook. Maybe you're talking or messing around with other people, or just simply unengaged in what's happening around you. And the, the, the problem... Even worse, I guess, let's say that. Even worse is when you could also be distracting other people from missing out on that time at church, too. It's bad enough if you want to make that decision yourself to not engage. But when you're making that decision or influencing that decision for someone else in a negative way, no, that's not good. God wants to communicate with you. But if you're distracted, whether it's at church on Sundays or on Wednesdays or in your own personal devotion time, if you're distracted, you're going to miss it. We need to really be there, not just be there. So what's that like to really be there? I think there's four pieces to this. The first thing is to come expecting. Write that down. Come expecting. I think we have a Bible passage on the screen. Mark 6, 1 through 6, Yeah. Sweet Mark 6, 1 through 6. says, He went away from there and, be, and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So these people were not expecting anything. In fact, they they kind of rejected him. They were... Expecting him to do nothing because this was his hometown. They kind of saw him grow up, and they were astonished that this was happening through Jesus. So they were closed off to it. They rejected him and his teachings, and because of that, he couldn't do anything there. He couldn't really do a mighty work. It says, um, even though it says he healed a few sick people and heal, uh, I'm sorry, he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, which is pretty good. But he couldn't do what he wanted there in that town because they were distracted. They were holding back. They weren't expecting good things to happen. We have to be ready. We have to be expecting God to communicate with us uh, and move into our lives. And even uh, to be ready to be used by God in the lives of other people around us. So we have to be ready. We have to come expecting great things to happen. Second thing. So we have to come in right relationship with others and God. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew five twenty three through 24. You don't have to open there. It should be on the screen. says, so, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So many times people hurt our church experience. A lot of times we look at who God is and we look at at who the church is or what the church is based on other people Um, because other people have hurt us or or whatever. I mean, if you pull people who don't go to church and ask them why they don't, one of the main answers is because uh, Christians are hypocrites because somebody hurt them or something like that. And that's terrible. First of all, that's terrible that that is happening that people are hurting other people in the church because that's not how the church is. Secondly, it's terrible that people are looking at the people in the church to see who the church is or to see who God is. That's messed up too, but both those things are, are, are bad. But We have to make sure that, that we're cool with other people, especially people in the body of Christ and the church that we go to. Uh, we have to make sure that we view them as important, that we view them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have to make sure that we bury any hatchets that need burying. If we're going to do church right, we need to be there for one another. That's a big part of what church is, is to go through life together and to encourage each other and to lift each other up. So we have to make sure everything is good and we have to come in right relationship with others. And then uh, let's look at Psalms 24, 3-6 real fast on the screen. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God, uh, from the God of his salvation, such as the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So basically, we need to to come in a right relationship with God. We need to come focused on God. What that means is that we all have these things in our lives that, that sometimes take our focus away from God, little things um, that that we kind of idolize, that become more important to God in our lives. Whatever that is, it's probably going to be different for each one of us, but we all have at least something that has become an idol in our lives. What we need to do is we need to get past those idols, especially uh, just in life in general, but especially when we come into church, come in to worship Him and to, to receive from Him. We need to to take those other things and put them out of our mind, to put them in their rightful place and to make sure that God has our complete attention and complete focus. Just in life in general, God does not want to settle for some half attention for an hour a week, an hour and a half a week. He wants our undivided, full attention through our entire lives. And if we don't do that, then we're really ripping God off of what he deserves and what he asks of us. So we need to come in a right relationship with others and God. And then we need to come for an audience of one. Basically what this means is that we need to remove all the distractions. Turn your phone off when you come to church or leave it at home, even better. in a place where you'll be able to concentrate, where you'll be able um, to worship. And to worship as if it was just you and God, not worrying about what anyone else Um, thinks of you regardless of what other people are doing, just focused in on him. Now, obviously, church is a lot about other people and us encouraging each other and lifting each other up, but it's also about giving God the praise and the, the worship that he deserves and also receiving from him what he has for you. And we cannot let other people hinder us and dictate our ability to engage in that process. So we have to come for God and just for his attention. And then the last thing is that we need to come prepared. We need to come prepared. Come expecting, come prepared, come ready. Maybe that means being well-rested. A lot of times, especially on Sunday mornings, um, I see a lot of people come to church and um, they're either sleeping or dead. And then they wake up, so they're usually sleeping. Or that happens. Sometimes we just have a late night or whatever, wake up early, something happens, and we're just tired. Be well-rested, do what you can. Uh, Maybe have some one-on-one time with God before you go to church. Imagine that craziness. That's why we have refocus from 530 to 6 every Wednesday so that you can um, be prepared for what God wants to do in you and through you during youth group. Bring your Bible. That's crazy, right? Bring your Bible. Bring a notebook, something to take notes in so that you can engage in what's happening. We need to start viewing Sundays and Wednesday nights as, as like your game day. Like you spend your, your whole week practicing for this, and now you're ready to play. You're ready to engage. You're ready to play your role in church. And we need to come prepared. I think the big problem is that we just kind of see church as, as not a big deal. It's just kind of like an add-on thing that we do or something that we check off our list. But honestly, it's a matter of life and death. I've said this maybe, I think I'm up to a jabillion times. That if you you cannot thrive as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus in the body of Christ, if you are not an active member and participant in the body of Christ, in the church. If you're not surrounding yourself with other people that believe and will encourage and push you to grow, you are going to struggle. You're going to slide backwards. You're going to backslide. You are going to have uh, big problems. If you're not studying the Word, and if you don't know it, you're going to struggle. Church is such a crucial part of our lives, and without it, you will not be able to succeed as a follower of Jesus. Plain and simple. We need to be learning and pushing ourselves in our biblical knowledge. We need to be praising the Creator of the universe and Savior of our lives and our eternities. We need to be engaging in the body of Christ and encouraging each other and holding each other accountable. We do all of this in the church, youth groups, Sunday mornings. We we have the tools that we need to succeed, but we don't always utilize them. We don't always take advantage and engage in it. And we need to squeeze as much as we can out of church, not just look at it as, I don't know, a waste of time or just something we do or something check off our list or whatever. Let's engage so we can get as much as we can out of church every Wednesday, every Sunday. Come ready and take what you can from it and to pour as much as you can into it. That's the only way you can do it right. Let's pray. Dear God, uh, I'm just, I'm sorry um, for the times that that I haven't really fully engaged in church. And I know it's hard. I, just me personally, I grew up in the church, and it feels like I was here um, for for most of my life. God, I'm sorry for the times where I just came to, to get it done, or because I had to, or for whatever other reason, God, besides engaging in this process and praising your name and, and um, just being open to, to, to receive from you what you have for me. God, we're We're sorry. We're sorry for the times where we do that, where we don't engage, where we're distracted or whatever else. I pray that you would just help us do the things necessary in our lives to eliminate the distractions, to to come ready, to come prepared, to come expecting things to happen. So many times we come to church and just expect nothing. Man, we need to come ready, come expecting something to happen. Nothing's going to happen if we don't let it. If we don't allow you room to move, you can't. God, so forgive us and help us get to a point where we're just as a youth group and even on Sundays and as individuals where we're just ready. We're expecting you to move in our lives. God, we're ready. We're ready to squeeze everything we can out of our church experience. And we're ready to pour everything that we are into praising you and worshiping you, God, giving you the worship that you deserve. God, I pray you would help us in that. I'm so grateful for this group of students, and I pray that you would just empower them and equip them, Lord, to do amazing things for your kingdom. We love you. In your name we pray.